0: All right, before you get too comfortable, you know what we've been doing all summer. Let's stand together. This has been a wonderful, wonderful summer of walking through what so many of you know as the Lord's Prayer. It's a model prayer based on Jesus' words, His teaching in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. And Luke, one of His disciples says, hey, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? And in Matthew 6, He teaches us how to pray. It's a model prayer. And uh, each Sunday, we've been reciting it together. And then uh, we've just been walking through it. So Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Let's go ahead and read that together. Ready? Begin. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. You may be seated. Right? The Lord's Prayer. We've been talking about that, and many of you, I've had wonderful conversations the last, this is week nine, eight weeks. You've been challenged, right? Again, I've asked the question often this summer. I'm guessing many of you, uh, sometime this morning before you got here, anyone pray? Anyone spend time in prayer, quiet time, Devo, whatever you want to call it, right? And so the question of the summer has been, are you praying or just saying, right? So this morning when you prayed, were you praying or were you just saying? Did you just go through it or did you really pray? And what does that really mean, right? And at, at the core, we've seen that the definition of prayer in the Bible is FaceTime, That's been our marker. It's been a wonderful way for us to kind of connect in 2019. Prayer is having FaceTime with who? Father. It's Father, right? And we've been working through the heart issues and really kind of peeling off all the sort of the the tradition and the religiosity and the self-centeredness of prayer that often, you know, many of us just do what we do in prayer because we just mimic or we just picked it up. We're peeling back all these layers and lo and behold, when you peel, 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 suddenly you go, wait, I'm face to face with Father. This morning, did you pause, did you pause before you prayed and just sat quietly and said, wait a second, I am about to spend time with Father God king creator all-powerful all-knowing all-present loves me never leave me nor forsake me his grace save me did you just stop and ponder what it meant to be in the presence face time with father and who he is right or did we just race right into it and start saying and just saying, and, and so this, this summer, I've had wonderful conversations with you. If you just have like, said, whoa, wow, you know, this has really kind of slowed me way down. And, and we've seen that it's really heart issues. And if, and if we were to kind of look at what is the heart issue behind each of those topics so far, we've seen that Father Abba, right? Learning to connect with God at the fatherly level, calling him Papa, Daddy, that's what Abba means. It's a term of endearment right? Learning in your life, in my life, many of us grew up saying, dear God, when we pray, Lord God, whatever, nothing wrong with that. But some of you, when I challenged you the very first week, I said, hey, this week, try starting your prayer with Father. And some of you did, and you talked to me after, and it changed you. It changed you. And some of you have had to work through speaking to Father because the challenges of your horizontal father relationship, I've shared a lot of that this summer. Getting to be able to speak in intimacy, and in a, and in a, a term of, of family with father this way has been was challenging for me. Even this summer, I was reminded of how difficult as a, as a young believer it was for me to actually say father and try to connect at the heart level. That this is my father, and all the good that that brings with it, right? And then Father King, right? When we say, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. I had a conversation just last week. Uh, Someone in the commons came up to me, uh, hadn't been here all summer for the message. We did this, we walked through this. He says, you know what the hardest part of that prayer for me is? He said, it's the will thing. Where it says, your kingdom come, your will be done. He shared with me, that's the challenging one for me. That's the heart issue for me is struggling with surrendering every when I'm having FaceTime with Father to say, Father, I surrender. I submit. Your will be done. Because oftentimes in prayer, what do we approach? I remember most of the time in my early prayer, it was like, Father, here's my will. Can you just sign off, please? Right? We just wanted him to rubber stamp my will. What a, a transformation to say, Father, this morning... This morning, Father, before I go race into my schedule, my to-dos, all my honey all my stuff I on my agenda, Father, today, right now, I'm going to submit to your will, despite even how I feel right now, despite what I think, I'm going to stop right now. Father, what's your will for today? I just don't want you to rubber stamp mine, right? Father, provider, we talked about a couple weeks, coming to Father in dependence, meaning, Father, I need you. Give us this day our daily bread, not just physically, materially, financially, but Father, spiritually today, I need you. And we struggled with that a little bit because we live in a very what? Independent, self-sufficient, self-reliant culture. Many of you were raised not to depend on anyone. Amen? Right? And if you're dependent, you're weak. Oh, you're a punk. Oh, you know, and yet Jesus says, no, you come and you say, Father, I need you today for everything. And there's great freedom in that. Amen? To say, Father, I, you mean I don't have to have it all together? You mean I don't have to be Atlas and carry this world on my shoulders today again? I can actually go, here. And he's like, thank you. <laughs> Got it. Right? Father Communicator. We talked about the heart and the challenge to come to Father and FaceTime and listen just listen how many of you have actually tried to just listen in your time of prayer anyone find that difficult right just listen and you might not be saying anything here but your mind's racing right just listen right that one youtube well i forget the little kid it's like linda just listen you guys remember that one years ago right just listen linda right just listen right you remember that that was pretty awesome and I think of that, right? I was like, when I go to prayer, I'm like, just listen, Richie, just listen. Don't think about the sermon. Don't th- Just listen. That's hard, isn't it? Man, we just want to go. We just, he's like, no, just listen, right? Whew, that's tough. And then we spent the last couple weeks, Father Forgiver. And we talked about the heart that says, Father, I don't want to grieve you. I don't want there to be anything between you and me. How many of you ever had a relationship with someone, family, friend, co whatever, when you know there's just something, but we dust it, we push it under the rug? Anyone? That's how I grew up, right? Yeah, we don't talk about it. We just kind of, in my family, just move on and, you know, just small talk, and pretty soon everything's back to, quote-unquote, normal. But it's really not because you never resolved it. So we talked, uh, approaching Father with a heart that says, Father, if I have grieved you in sin... I confess, right? What is the biblical confession? It's just to say it. If, if the Bible calls it sin, if Father calls it sin, to confess is to call it sin. Don't call it an oopsie. Don't say my bad. Don't say my vice. Don't say my little thing. Don't say, oh gosh. No. If, God, if Father calls it sin, what do we call it? Just say sin. Just, just call it what he calls it. 1 John 1, 9 says, when we do that, he is faithful and just to do what? Forgive. And the heart challenge for that was many of us kind of are used to confessing. Oh, Father, I did this. Da, 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 da. But for some, the challenge was to actually receive what? Forgiveness. To say, good. And how many of you have actually, honestly, just how many of that's been a bit of a challenge? Like, oh, receiving it immediately. Immediately. I was talking with someone last Sunday. Their challenge in the confession part and not moving to receiving the whole verse is that sometimes we get stuck in confessing, confessing, confessing because we're self-punishing, self-punishing, self-punishing. We feel like our confession is penance for some weird reason. When the Bible simply says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive, which is remember it no more, which is never bring it up and throw it in your face. How many of you wish that people in your life never brought things up and threw it in your face? Isn't it awesome how a father, you confess it, right then and there, right then and there, he receives you, he forgives you when? Right then and there. We talked about going through the day and if you make sinful choices, getting cleaned up, right, washing your feet, getting spiritually clean immediately. You don't have to accumulate the dust of the day and try to clean it up at night. I shared it like that some of us. I used to do this. I used to load up my sins and try to remember them all before I went to sleep. And before I prayed, I'm like, what did, okay, what did I do today, Father? And I would just have this long list and like this, it's like a weird picture, right? I got all this dirt and mud on my shoes and stuff. It's like, dude, why don't you take care of that immediately? Right? How many of you ever had kids track mud through your house? You're like, really? Really? Can you just take care of that like right now? Right? So many of us, if you t- sin, the Bible says you don't have to because you're no longer a slave to it, but if you choose to succumb to sin, you confess it, you receive forgiveness when? Yes. Then and there. You say thank you. Good to go. How many of you find that A, freeing, but also kind of challenging, right? You're like, really? We're good? You're good. Yeah, <laughs> you're sure? <laughs> That's his word. You take it up with him, right? Today we're going to move forward. In there, it says uh, Matthew six thirteen says, "Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil." So today, the heart we're moving to is Father Protector. That's the heart issue here that we're going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The heart issue is we're going to start to see what does it mean that Father is Protector because that verse six thirteen is a petition. For protection. Okay? Now, we're just going to kind of do a little intro on temptation today. And, and one of the challenging parts of this is our definition of tempt or temptation, because usually it's very one-dimensional. It's like an enticement to sin, All right? It's kind of this negative, very negative word. Oh, you're being tempted. Oh, look at that temptation. And we, we, we either, it's an enticement or a solicitation to sin, when actually, if you were to look it up in the, in the Greek, the word tempt or temptation is what they call a morally neutral word. It isn't necessarily all evil. It's what they call morally neutral. When, and, and actually, the fuller definition of the word tempt or temptation is trial, testing, or proving. Trial, testing, or proving, Right? Not, and, and it has this element in it of enticement to sin. But really, the broad definition is about testing and proving. Right? Testing and proving. And we're going to see, even in Matthew 4, when Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by who? The devil, right? Because this, this verse, uh, Garrett, if you put up Matthew 6.13, it says, "...lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil." Reading it, just kind of like at first blush, it's caused a lot of confusion over, over the years. And in fact, if you remember back June of this year, and we're going to cover this next week, June of this year, the Pope actually changed the wording of that because he felt like it kind of made God look like he tempts us, and that's not what it means. So literally, the Catholic Church changed that. The Pope changed that, and we're going to look at that. When you read that, it says, "...lead us not into temptation." You can kind of completely misread that, saying, well, is, does that say that God leads us into, does God tempt us? That is not what that says at all, okay, because you've got to go to the heart. So how do you know that God doesn't tempt us? Look at what the Bible says, James 1, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. I won't say no one. So God does not tempt us to do evil. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Right there. So God is not the source of temptation to evil. In fact, God wants us to be holy. He says, Be holy as I am holy. So think about it. Why would God tempt us to sin? If he calls us to be holy, it's completely contradictory. So that's not what it means, right? God does not tempt us to sin in the sense of entice us to evil. Okay, God does not entice us to evil. That goes back to the real definition of temptation, which is trials and testings, which God allows. And in fact, James says "When, when when you're going through a trial or testing, you're to count it all what? joy. God allows trials and testings, which is different than tempting, tempting us to do evil. Radically different. And we're, again, this is just kind of an intro, kind of a broad brush today, right? First Peter 1.6. In this you rejoice, though so now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. That word trials is the same Greek word as temptation, okay? You have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So God does not tempt us to evil, but He allows trials and testing to prove our faith. Amen? See, here's what can happen. He can allow a trial a tribulation, a testing into your life. And if you choose to handle it biblically, if you choose to believe Scripture, if you choose to walk in the Spirit, you grow. You're transformed. He allows the same trial, tribulation into my life. If I choose to get in the flesh, now it becomes a temptation to handle it sinfully. You see? whatever you're going through today. If you're a believer, you got to understand, Father allows it. And if He's allowing you to go through a test or a trial or a tribulation right now, it's for your good. Ultimately. Romans 8.28, all things work for the good. Right? We just read First Peter. It's the, the testing, the proving of your faith. What you do there... You can choose to get in the flesh and flesh out. And now it's a temptation to handle it my way. Right? Anyone ever get in a situation where you're trying to work with somebody, work with someone, and you're trying to be really patient with them? And they're driving you crazy because they're just taking forever? And how many of you just say, Give it to me? How many ever got to me? I'll do it. Just just stop. Just stop. Stop, 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 stop. Give it to me. Okay? Well, sometimes in our trial and testing, we start strong and we're kind of... Remember Job, right? We're, We're staying focused, staying focused, and it goes on and on. And then suddenly it becomes a temptation to handle it in the flesh and to go our way out of God's will. Okay, so this is kind of this broad definition that I'm trying to show you. Really clear, most important thing today is God does not tempt us to sin. He does not tempt us. He allows trials and tribulations and testings, which is really the... Bigger definition of the word. But God does not tempt you or me ever, ever to sin. Okay? He doesn't entice us. He doesn't solicit us to sin. So there's this heart issue, right? Go ahead, Garrett. Put up uh, verse 13 again. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is, this is a heart issue. What's the heart issue? Say, Father, today, I acknowledge I need your spiritual protection. It's a protection petition. Right? When we said, forgive us our sins as we also, that was like, Father, I blew it, I sinned, I want to make it right with you. It's forgive us our sins dealt with past choices. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil is forward looking. From the time you pop your eyes open in the morning, you're assaulted potentially with temptation. Amen? Right? It's crazy. You, you could be sitting right here in this church at this very second, and some of you are battling with temptation. You're like, what? But we're at church. It's mostly because you're at church, right? Three enemies, the flesh, the world, the devil. The last place the devil wants you to be is where? Right here. That's why sometimes when you're in church, your mind's going crazy. You got all kinds of crazy stuff in your head, and you're getting distracted, and you can't wait, and you're hungry, and you're... Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the last place the enemy wants you to be, especially hearing the Word of God, especially being challenged to implement. This is the last place. So even in church, you better believe that warfare ratchets up around here. Think sometimes at my house on Saturday night and Sunday morning, sometimes my house goes crazy. And I've been in ministry almost 30 years, and the spiritual warfare is it's legit. When I was in youth ministry and we'd have this really, really awesome night. God moved in the lives of the, the students. I would come home, and my first thing my wife would say, you had a good night tonight, huh? I'm like, yeah. I knew it, because the house was crazy. <laughs> the, house, the kids were crazy. The dog went crazy, right? Over and over and over, till you realize, this is a spiritual world we live in. So we're dealing with this, okay, Father, today I'm going out and there's an enemy. How many of you have ever had time, hard time Sunday morning getting to church? How many of you had blow-ups at your house? Anyone? Stressed out, right? You're like, it's church. And you're out fighting on the car all the way over here and you park and all the smiles come up. How are you? Good. How was your week? Good. How's your family? We love each other. Anyone ever have Sunday mornings kind of cray-cray? What is that? At a certain point, you got to put your spiritual eyes on and realize this is the last place the devil wants you. Seriously. Sleep in. Ah, listen to it online. You don't need to go. Okay, it's a spiritual world. This is a spiritual petition. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. I need your protection from the world, the enemy, and here, my flesh. Amen? You ever hear that, you ever hear that phrase, we have met the enemy and he is us? How many of you have found one of the, the biggest challenges in the world of temptation is just you? It's just me. It's just me. Right? That's the heart of this. Lord, I need your protection. I need your protection today, right? Martin Luther says this, this, we cannot help being exposed to the assaults, but we pray that we may not fall and perish, right? And so what's a heart check for us really? Sometimes we fall and we perish when it comes to to temptation because of pride. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Right? It's this pride. I got it. I got it. In 1 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul is, is writing to the church in Corinth. He says, Hey, let me tell you a story, church. Remember when the Israelites came out of slavery in Egypt and God blessed them miraculously and provided and did all these incredible blessings? And remember all those miracles? You want to know what happened to the the Israelites? The blessings became a curse because they walked away from God. They got consumed with idolatry, with sexual immorality. All these blessings that God gave to his people actually drew them away from him. And he had to bring discipline. The church in Corinth is pretty much like Ojai in SoCal. Very rich, very comfortable, materialistically, financially and they were kind of struggling with issues that we struggle with right here in Ohio. We're comfortable. We've been blessed by God, you know. And in that, we can fall to the same temptation of the Israelites. What was it? Complacency, self-indulgence, apathy, all of that, right? And he says this in verse 11. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. He's talking about everything he just shared, what happened to the Israelites and how they walked away from God in their blessings. He says, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Great verse for temptation for anyone in this room. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Word of encouragement, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, was one of my very first memory verses when I first got saved. It's an incredible verse, amen? No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So if you're being tempted this morning, if you're being tested right now, Turn to the person next to you and just simply say, you too? Go ahead. You too? What you're going through is common to man. Some of us like, you know, we're like, oh, nobody understands. Nobody's ever been through this. No. Just turn to the person next to you and say, you too? It's common to all of us. We all go through it, right? We all go through it. But here's the beautiful promises, right? God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. How many of you love that promise? Father knows what you can handle. Amen? Now, it might be like, Father, 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 oh, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't, right? You might think, and you might try to set the limit in your own understanding of what you think you can handle. But he's like, no. I'm going to show you something. Trust me. Right? Right? We call it around here getting to the end of yourself. When you get to the end of yourself and then finally you say, I can't. Now, how many of you have a hard time with the word can't? Anyone? I I can't. Right? The beautiful thing about walking with the Father, especially in this area, is when you say you can't, suddenly you avail yourself of all his resources, his grace, right? Right? We're no longer a slave to sin. Amen? We've been given everything we need for life and godliness. Amen? One of those things that we've been given is the church. Ooh. (laughs) You've been given the church to handle temptation. Trials, testing, right? 1 Corinthians 12, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we're all given the one spirit to drink. So, if we are going to move into the day with this heart of, Lord, I need your protection today. We have to, at a core level, accept the fact that part of his making a way of escape is other people, other believers in your life. Now that's really hard because we grew up in a very individualistic culture, right? How many have ever heard the phrase, oh, being a Christian is a personal relationship? Anyone hear that? It's not religion, it's a personal relationship. Well, okay, I kind of get that, but here's where that goes to in a very sort of unhealthy way. It's, it's my relationship with Jesus. It's just Jesus and me. I don't need to go to church. I can watch it on TV. We become isolationist, lone ranger Christians, islands, which is completely opposite of what we just read in Corinthians. No, when you become a believer, you are put into what? The church, the body of Christ. There are no lone ranger Christians, right? Andy Stanley says this, the primary activity of the church was one anothering, One another. another. The early church, the primary activity was one anothering one another. Now, for us in this culture, we get kind of wigged out on that. Well, it's enough I go Sundays, isn't it? And I said, hi. Hi. Because we kind of like it. We like our space. We, like our, we don't want anyone in our business. And, you know, and we're kind of like insecure and prideful. And we don't want to share our stuff. You don't share your stuff. I won't share my stuff. We'll go and we'll talk about you know, sports and job and all that afterwards. And then we're going to leave. And we just kind of like... That is not one anothering. That is not what is meant by this, right? Acts 2.42. The early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship... To the breaking of bread and prayers. Fellowship. One of those churchy words. The fellowship hall. Are you going to fellowship? Right? Which is defined as coffee, donuts, and socializing. <laughs> we got an amen over there, right? That is not even what's near what the biblical definition is. You know the word. Many of you heard koinonia. In fact, if you go to the well, it says Ohio Valley Christian fellowship. What does it mean to be in fellowship, really? It means this, community, communion. Here's a big, This is going to mess with you, participation. Oh, wow, we got the ooh. <laughs> I didn't even like, I like community, right? Community, amen? Yeah. Communion, amen? Participation. Yeah. <laughs> does that mean we got to come more than Sunday mornings? Because, uh, you know, this is about my level of participation, right about there. To fellowship, to be in koinonia, which if you're part of the church, you're already supposed to be in fellowship. It's a verb. It's not a place you go, and it's not coffee and donuts. It's it's participation. It's joint participation. Koinonia, really, the word picture is a husband and wife in a joint venture, both participating in the marriage covenant. That's what it means to be in in fellowship. Joint participation. Participation. But we, especially in America, it's fellowship hall. Now we're going to go fellowship, which means socializing. And here's the crazy thing, which means it's optional. Not only do we define fellowship as socializing, it's now optional. And this is where this whole American way of doing church just drives us kind of crazy because what you're supposed to do, good church, is sit in these rows and be passive spectators and let the higher guns up here talk at you. And then when you leave, you did your duty by simply attending. You see, we have redefined fellowship to social, optional, and we've dis- dis- decided that to participate in the church is simply enough to attend. That is not how the early church grew. The early church was like, you're in, you're in. What are you going to do? Let's go, right? Let's go. It's not optional. Look at, I love this quote by J. A. Packer. We should not think of our fellowship with other Christians as a spiritual luxury, an optional addition to the exercises of private devotion. We should recognize rather that such fellowship is a spiritual necessity. For God has made us in such a way that our fellowship with himself is, is fed by our fellowship with fellow Christians and requires to be so fed constantly for its own deepening and enrichment. It's a necessity. Participating together in life, handling temptations which are common to everyone in this room, without fail, 100% of the people in this room, 100% of the people listening to this online, you will be tempted. It's relentless. The question is, are you availing yourself of the one another's that God has brought into your life to help protect you from temptation. Or are you kind of lone ranger? It's optional. I don't need to participate. I'm just an attender. We're going to be talking about this into the fall, right? We are mutually dependent on each other. Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Proverbs 27. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. 1 Corinthians 12, the eye, right, this is the body analogy, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. If you're a believer, you have been put into the body of Christ and you are needed. Amen? Right? So turn to the person next to you, if they're a believer, and say, I need you. That's crazy, right? Right? Now, that's crazy on two levels. One, to admit your need. And two, to actually hear that you're needed. Amen? Because, oh, you're not needed. The the worship team is fine. The donut committee is fine. Everything at the well runs so well. They don't need me. I just need to come and sit and give. No. We need you. We're, We're all part of this together. Amen? We are the church. And I got to tell you, if you are savvy to what's happening in this world and in this country, the church is going to need each other. We are going to need one another like we have probably never needed one another in this country if things continue the way they are. Because we are going to be dealing with persecution like this country, the believers in this country have never faced. Simply because we believe, I was going to hold up my electronic thing, but that doesn't really fly, (laughs) because we believe this. There might come a time when we're accused of hate speech simply because we're preaching the Word of God. And believe me, I'm going to need you, and you're going to need someone sitting next to you when it comes down at your work and even within your families simply because you believe in the Word of God. The one anothering is going to get real real. And so... We have to begin, and today's just the beginning, to reframe even our view of church and whether or not you are needed in our role. Now, we're going to do it through temptation and the idea of temptation, but you've got to realize we just need each other. That's what it means to be in fellowship. It's a joint participation. John Wesley says this, there's nothing more unchristian than a solitary Christian. That's pretty heavy. I was like, whoa, right? And I'm like, okay, how can I lighten that a little bit? I'm like this. And, and one day I gave out a bunch of Legos. i like, look, these are some ginormous Legos. A solitary Lego makes no sense. Right? What would you call that? Leg? I mean, I don't know. Like, what's that? I don't know, dude. I don't know. Where does it belong? It, it doesn't make sense without something else. Amen? Right? It just doesn't make sense. But sometimes in the church, well, we do our thing, we do our thing, and we're all like disjointed. No, the church only makes sense when we're together because we all need each other. This is the only way the church makes sense. This is how he designed it, right? Now, in that, it gets a little bit hard because the church is made up of imperfect people. Amen? In fact, you've heard me say it time and time again. If you find the perfect church, don't join it. Why? Because you'll mess it up. (laughs) There's humility in that, amen? There is no perfect church. People come to church all the time, and they kind of have scorecards, like that, like that, like that, like that, like that. The the thing that they leave off the scorecard is themselves. Like, score yourself. Like, what you're contributing, right? There is no perfect church. If you're here long enough, you'll probably get your toes stepped on. You're probably going to get bugged. And, you know, like right now, it's like super hot in here. And I was like, oh, God, Tyler, come on, dude. Right? And, and everyone starts getting mad. And, you know. And then you get like, oh, how, you know. Yeah, I, say, oh, I don't like that place. But, man, it was so hot. And, you know. And then someone took the last sprinkle. And I really wanted the sprinkle. And then someone cut me off. I was in the coffee line. And they didn't know there was a line. But I was really mad. I mean, w- the soon as you, like, shift your focus from God and the body and turn inward, it's a mess. Amen? The church is just like a mess. Now, it doesn't mean we don't seek to honor God, but I'm going to tell you right now, and I've told this for, we've been in church for nine years, kind of what you see here is what you get. Now, we dress nice, and I understand that there's cultural things and the lighting, and it's very pretty and all this, and I get that. I know it's a part of how we do church here. I get it. But beneath it all, When we say hi, we really mean hi. When we say how are you, we really mean how are you. And if we're going to pray, we actually pray. If we ask if there's something we could pray for, you know, you understand what I'm saying? We try to just be us around here. And it jives with others. Others, it's kind of scary. I get that. There's people who have come uh, over the years, not way back, that we were like too loving. Like literally. Literally. Like the meet and greet. How many of you... Meet and greet, right? A minute. It used to be like three minutes, but y'all wouldn't sit down, so we had to say a minute. Well, we've been doing meet and greet for nine years, and some people got overwhelmed by meet and greet. Like we genuinely are glad you're here. We genuinely want to shake your hand. genuinely want to meet you, but others, it's like whoa, you know, and they don't come back. And, and I wish they would because we're just us. We just we're just us, and we're just trying to be us. And so how are we going to one another through this temptation series? We're going to grow into this. We're going to grow into this, right? And one of the ways we're going to grow into this, uh, I'm going to encourage you, and we're, we're going to try to do this in process, because I'm in process right now, because I've been like, okay, Father, really? We're going to do this. We are going to carve out time on Sundays for you to one another, one another. (laughs) Now we're getting all nervous. Like, what what do we mean we're going to one another, one another? Right? Well, Hebrews 10 says this. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You can leave that up for a while, Garrett. So, here's what we're going to do. These verses speak to the entire church. The one another in this verse is if you're a believer... God's talking to you. Father's speaking to you. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good words. That word consider is to carefully think about. I'm going to ask you a question. When was the last time you carefully thought about the spiritual health of your brother or sister in Christ? When was the last time you considered the spiritual health of another believer? Not yourself. Because that's what it says we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be considering one another... Taking time to actually think about one another when you're not here and your spiritual well-being. And then it says we're to stir up one another to love and good works. I am supposed to, you are supposed to, we are supposed to be actively engaged in each other's life. That word stir up is provoke. It's provoke. I actually, it's a positive term. We've looked at this before. It means lovingly irritate. So just turn to the person next to you and say, I am supposed to lovingly irritate you. I am supposed to lovingly irritate you. I'll finish it, though, to love and good works. Amen? So this is, this is what it means. How many have ever been a passenger in a car when the driver started to doze? Everyone's like, Ugh. How many of you tried to let it go? But they started to doze and they started to go off a little bit. And how many of you did this? Hey, 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 hey! Anyone? Right? Okay. To stir up one another to love and good works is if someone around you might be spiritually dozing, might be drifting, might have got complacent. You are supposed to, one another of them, say, Hey, hey, hey! You coming to church? Come to church. I'll come get you. I will come get you because we haven't seen you in a while. Well, you know, I'll come get you. Tuesday night, I'll come get you. We're to, hey, 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 lovingly irritate one another to follow Jesus. Amen? Because we're all tempted in the world and the flesh to get complacent and get into ourselves. Right. And then it says this not neglecting the meeting together. Right. It's it's a hey, 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 you coming? It's a commitment. Neglecting is the, the word picture is abandoning, deserting your military post. You're needed. Don't don't desert us. Don't desert the church. Not just the well. Don't desert the church. You're needed. And then it says this. Encouraging one another. You're you. Everyone in the church, you have a ministry and it's called the Ministry of Encouragement. The ministry of encouragement biblically means to come alongside someone and encourage them to take action. Everyone in this room, if you're a believer, you have a ministry, and it's called the ministry of encouragement. It's right there. You do. And here's a great word picture for just, you know, to help you understand that. Uh, Yesterday I worked out with a couple guys here at one of the brothers' house, and if you've ever worked out with weights, you know that it's sometimes good to have a spotter right? Like, especially if you want to bench press, someone stands, you know, there, you lay down and you're going to bench press and the guy, the spotter is to help you, right? To help you, to encourage you. Now, a good spotter knows that when you're pushing, he's just supposed to take enough off to get you working because you're using heavier weights, so you're doing more reps and he's just spotting you in case you fail, you're going to grab it, you're good, Right? a spotter he might even say come on come on come on come on you can do it you can do it right encouraging you firing you up let's go let's go let's go he's got it he's got it you do your rep yeah boom right that's a spotter now i've had experiences at gyms and other times where i've had horrific spotters like one spotter doesn't understand spotting so i'm like hey dude can you spot me yeah sure i'll spot you and the minute i push he just takes it i'm like Okay, dude, just let me work a little bit. Okay, I got it. I've had other spotters like, okay, can you spot me Yeah. So I lay down and I'm like doing this weight. And he's like looking around the room. And I take it off. And he's like... And in my head I'm like, this dude is not spotting me. He is distracted. And I get down and am like pushing. And I hit the sticking spot. And dude's just like... Whoop. I'm like, dude, Really? Really? Oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh, oh. whoa, whoa. Right? My point is this. We all need spiritual spotters. You need spiritual spotters. I can pump and I, I can get some weight on my own, and do little infractions because I, you know, I've, I've tried to work out before on my own because I didn't want a spotter and I get stuck. And it's kind of hard on the bench because then you have to dump your weights. I'm like, yeah, okay. We all need spiritual spotters. Now, there's a learning curve, okay? There's a learning curve, and you've got to give grace, and we're going to talk about that. But you have to be willing to invite someone in to be an encourager spiritually to you. Now, I know there's pride, and there's insecurity, and no one else doesn't look like they don't have it all together. I get all that. But you've got to get over, as Bill says, you've got to get over your bad self and say, hey, can you just spot me? I need a spot. Like when you're in a gym, it's like taking it for granted. This is cool. Hey, man, can you give me a spot? It's like, it's not weird or anything. It's like, cool, yeah, I'll spot you. Sometimes in a church, I don't know where it got so weird. It's like, hey, can you spot me? And here's what we're going to do. And we're going to talk more about this. In your notes, do you have the sermon notes sir? In here, there's an application part. And we changed it just a little bit. You see the verses Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Those are the ministry of encouragement. There's two questions. And I'm going to challenge slash encourage you to find a spotter or two. And to share two questions. Mutually. Right? It's joint participation. Question number one. What did you hear? Like today in the message. What did you hear? What spoke to you? What did Father sing for you? What verse? What did you hear? And then number two. Muy importante. What will you do? Because in James, it says, if you're a hearer but not a doer, you're deluded. You're deceived. So if you're coming to church just to hear a message and you're not doing anything with it, the book of James, not me, says you're deluded, you're deceived, you have spiritual miscalculation. When you come to church and you hear anything from the Bible, if you're reading a biblically-based book, if you hear a podcast, you are supposed to be a hearer and a doer. Amen? Amen. Now, the challenging part, right, is that we all want to be part of the church, but sort of independent Legos. What we're going to challenge you to do is to find spiritual spotters. It could be one. It could be your spouse. It could be your child. It could be a brother or sister in Christ. And all you got to do is share those two questions. Hey, what would you hear today? Not, what do you think about the sermon? Not your opinion. It's not a doctrinal debate. That is such a deflection. We live in this thumbs up, thumbs down, likes, dislikes. No, 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 no. Everyone say no. It is not opining. Like when I say, what did you hear? Well, I really liked it. No. (laughs) Don't let them off the hook. No. What did you hear Father say to you in your life? What did you hear? Biblically, based on the sermon. See, why do I spend 40, 50 hours prepping so that you understand the doctrine already? It's not meant to be a doctrinal debate or discussion. We just told you for 30 minutes what it means. But what did you hear through the Spirit? What did Father say to you and to you and to you and to you? What did you hear specific to you? And then, what are you going to do? And you got a spotter who's going to pray for you? And help you. Some of y'all hearts are beating right now. Some of you are scared to death. And I get that. I grew up very independent, very self-reliant. When I was at UCLA with my roommate, we didn't need anybody. We didn't want anybody in our life. You're about there, stay right about there. You come in uninvited past this wall, woe to you. As I became a believer, that became this. I need you. It's going to take some time. And you're going to hear about this more and more through the fall. Find a spiritual spotter. Find a spiritual spotter. Someone you trust. Someone that you can share with. It ha- doesn't even have to be lengthy. Hey, what would you hear today? What are you going to do? And here's what we're going to do. And we're going to <laughs> make a little bit of progress today, Ty. Just a little bit. He's, he's laughing because I told him. We're in process, and I'm in process, and I'm trying to figure this out too. But as a church, what we're going to do on Sundays is we are going to give you more time to one another. Which means we're still going to preach the word, but there's going to be more time. Code for we're going to end a little earlier. So that you can one another, one another. Which means you might find some spiritual spotters right now when we dismiss And you can do this right here before you even go get a coffee and donut. Or go get a coffee and donut and have that conversation before you leave here. You see, one anothering was the norm in the early church. But we've become so kind of insecure that we're going to talk about our jobs, and we're going to talk about the kids, and we're going to talk about sports, and we're going to talk about this, and we never talk about what really matters, the Word of God. I am just trying and God has just put it on my heart. Father's like, this is where you got to go for the health of this church. Otherwise, we're just going to become program heavy and you're going to become dependent on me and you're going to become dependent on us for the next men's group, the next women's event. Da, 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 right. Natalie, thank you for inspire. Many of you have been inspired to go and get involved in the schools. Here's the thing. How about encourage? Encourage dot well. Are you encouraged to get encouraged? Find someone. Say, hey, you want to do that? Now, the church being the church, you might get rejected. Nah, got no time for that, man. Got to go get lunch. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need that. Who needs that? I I got it. I got it. I'm going to do my do on my own. I'm going to get to 250 on my own. I don't need a spotter. Well, maybe. I don't know. The Bible might have something to say about that. You can do this. We're going to be trying our hardest. And you know me. It's going to be a miracle of the Lord to get us out of here early. So pray for me. Because I already messed up. So uh, Tyler's like, he said 11.15. I'm like, I know, man. Come on give me a break tie step he's like i'm like it's okay we are going to one another one another amen i am be very honest with you i'm just uh, okay i'm going way off script here part of my challenge on sundays is length of time of sermons now there's a lot of schools of thoughts and i know there's i'm, 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 I'm like oh really let me just share my heart with you I love the Word of God, and I believe it is essential to your eternity and how you live your life, right? It is like the thing, the Word of God. When we get together once a week, I love to teach the Word of God. I love to see what God's doing in your life, and I get it. It's like, well, Lord, how much is too long? Is you know, 45, and da 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 And it drives us batty. It drives pastors batty. Well, how much is too long? And people say this should be 25 minutes. People say 45. People say, who cares? You know, in Africa, they do it three hours, right? You've heard that before. Everyone's like, Ooh. <laughs> we're not doing three hours, just like, Ooh. Okay. but I've always struggled with this idea of cutting a sermon short just for shortness sake. I don't want to cap the spirit. I've always struggled with that. I struggled with this all summer. If you're like, what was your summer like? Well, it's been a, a summer of like, Lord, where are we going as a church, especially on Sundays? Where I'm at right now, just so you understand, this one anothering is paramount to your spiritual health. And the church of this health, and the, and the the health of this church. So what we're going to do, and now it finally makes sense. We're not going to cut the sermon short just because they need to be shorter for the sake of whatever. We are going to do church kind of the same like the time. The sermon is going to take less time so that you have more time to one another on the back end. Amen. That's where we're going. That's where we're going. And like I said, pray for me because. A miracle if we get out of here anytime sooner. But um, that's where we're going. The challenge, and you're going to hear it over and over because, like I tell you, it tells us it takes about a month. Literally, some of you are committed every Sunday, and I love you, and I'm so glad you're committed. But honestly, it takes about a month for us to see everybody traveling, school, health issues. So you're going to hear this repeated, right? What did you hear? What will you do? If you will invite a spiritual spotter into your life, watch out. Things are going to transform. Now it's going to be scary. Because next Sunday or during the week, they might ask, hey, how are you doing with that? That's part of it. That's part of it. When I ask someone to spot me, I put some trust into them. And they let me push. They let me push. So you're going to have to learn how to spot one another. It's going to be a process of growth. But the real question is, are you willing to let some spiritual spotters into your life? Not counselors, not your Holy Spirits. No, none of that. We get so weird. We just, the church just overthinks things. It's like literally, hey, I do this with my daughter. Oftentimes we have lunch. My, my, my senior daughter, after, usually after church, we're having lunch somewhere. And I say, hey, what would you learn today? She puts in all the slides. She knows exactly what I'm going to do i say what did you learn because i want to know what father said to her and we have a wonderful discussion i talked to her about this and we have we're now and now we're going to be more proactive on the number two just me and my senior daughter because she's going to ask dad what are you going to do dad (laughs) yeah in spanish she wants me to learn spanish so we're going there amen this is where we're going into the fall and, and it's a turning point for us as a church. We're going to preach the Word of God. We love the Word of God. It will always be foundational to this true church. But we've got to give you more time to one another, one another. We really do. So there's people around you who genuinely love you. Husbands and wives, try that. It got quiet. <laughs> Have a spiritual conversation at home. Right? Right? Right, Pat? (laughs) (laughs) You said you're in trouble now. (laughs) Like, oh, man, I have to pay attention? Really? (laughs) Look, we are the church. Amen? Let's just one another, one another. Right? In fact, we'll close and we're going to go into communion. 1 Corinthians 10 says this. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. So here's the thing. During the fall, I want you to really kind of shift your view on communion. Communion is in remembrance of Jesus, right? It's for believers, we get that. But those verses also say that communion is a remembrance that you are part of something bigger than you. So when you come up for communion as a believer today, look at the other believers and say, wow, we are in this together, and we are supposed to spot one another, and we are joint participants in this. That's the vision of one anothering. So, Because communion could be very, oh, Jesus died for me. I remember Jesus personal, personal, personal. No, no, no. 1 Corinthians says, no, take your eyes off of you. When you come for communion today, look around the room and understand that we are called to one another, one another. And that takes time, and we're imperfect, and we're going to hurt each other's feelings probably and step on each other's toes, and it's going to be all funky and weird, and we'll, we'll figure it out together. But if we don't go here, guys we're just going to become a lukewarm, passive church. And that's not thats not what we're called to do. I just don't believe that's what we're called to do. Okay? So let's pray and then we'll take communion. Father, thank you. We all face temptation. We all need your protection and one of the ways you protect us from temptation quite literally are the people around us, the church. But then, Lord, there's this temptation to be Isolation is to be an island, to be a lone ranger, mostly because we're prideful and we're scared of revealing our insecurities. We're scared of what people in this room will think about us. We're scared of failing. We're scared of not measuring up. We're scared of how we compare to those other spiritual giants around us. Lord, we're so insecure. And really, Lord, it boils down to because we're so consumed with us. So my prayer is as we move into the fall, I pray you'd help me do what I need to do for the sake of this church and that's make room for us to one another, one another. Even here on Sundays, I pray that spiritual conversations, that we would truly be encouraging one another through the word and prayer would just be the norm around here. In addition to laughter and in addition to joking and all the other things we already do well. I pray that we would have the courage in the next weeks or so to get some spiritual spotters in our life. Someone who will help us push to the next level. And so, Father, as we prepare for communion. We do remember you, Jesus, but Corinthians 10 uses the word participation it's bigger than any one of us it's your church and my prayer for us as we come forward to the tables is that we would look around and recognize the one another is in the room and that (laughs) the temptations we face are common to all of us nobody in this room has it all together Nobody. We need you and we need one another. So we take communion with that in mind today, Father. If you're here and you never put your faith in Christ, the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. Rest fully in the finished work of Jesus. Rest fully in His finished work for you. Receive the gift of salvation. Even if you don't quite understand it all, it's a process but begin by putting your faith in Jesus and then join us for communion. And then, Father, finally, I pray that you will lead us and guide us to the spiritual spotters that you know that we need. Maybe it'll take some time, maybe it'll happen, but I pray that we would take full advantage of Sunday mornings to spiritually spot one another, all for the glory of God. Amen.